If we can't willingly offer praise and adoration to God, we need another trip to the altar. We need to be reminded of where he brought us from, what he's done for us. You say, well, preacher, I've got problems. Yeah, we all do. All of us have got problems. All of us are facing situations. All of us are going through things. There's not one of us here that doesn't have some kind of heartache that we're having to bear. But I'm telling you today that there's something about it. If we could just push those things aside for a little while and let God know how much we love Him. You might be surprised that when you go back to pick those things up, you can't even find them anymore. Well, hallelujah. God bless you this morning. So glad for each of you that are here. Appreciate your presence in the house of the Lord. Appreciate those that are listening online. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord this morning. Going back to our lesson that I've been trying to work my way through. and um, First week I got through one scripture. The second week I think I got through two more. And still didn't even finish half of the first page. And so this lesson on growth just keeps growing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm practicing what I preached this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Second Peter chapter number 3. Verses 17 and 18 has been our text. 2 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18. The apostle writes, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But, he said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace. Now understand contextually. He's talking in verse 17 about the danger of falling from our steadfastness. He's talking about the possibility and the potential of losing out with God. Of our relationship with the Savior falling apart. And then he says to us, he begins the verse with the conjunction, but... So he's connecting it back to what he just said. You got to be careful that you don't fall. So let me just tell you how you can avoid it. Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So grow in grace and grow in knowledge. So the answer to remaining steadfast in your walk with God is growth. That's the answer. We cannot afford to stagnate. 
We can't afford to just stay the same. People say I'm just as spiritual as I was last year. Well, that's a problem. That sounds, I know you're standing, but that sounds a lot like the man. Jesus delivered the one talent to. When he came back, the man said, I've got just as much as I had when you left. Hadn't lost a thing. I'm just as well off right now as what I have been. And Jesus was not very pleased with the man who just maintained the status quo. He said the least you could have done was put it in the bank and drawn a little interest on it. In other words, whatever investment I make, I expect it to grow. And so when God invested his spirit in you, he expects there to be growth. Not just staying the same. I promise you, I promise you this is much more like, much more like uh, travel by jet than it is travel by any other vehicle. In as much as once you have taken off, there's no standing still. The moment you start standing still, you crash. You're going down the minute you stand still. I saw a little picture this week. Somebody said, Propellers on a plane, you may not know this, but they're just fans that keep the pilot cool. If you don't believe that, let the propeller stop and watch him start sweating. You don't just stand still. You're either going to progress or you're going down. And the problem with far too many Christians is we're content to just be what we've always been. There's no change in our dedication, no change in our consecration, no change in our commitment. We're just the same. Now listen, only the Lord, only the Lord can get by with remaining the same. And you know why he can get by with it? Because he's perfect in every way. There, there can be no improvement with God. You don't get better than God is. But for us, in case you haven't figured it out, every one of us need improvement. Every one of us Need to examine our... You know what we need? We need some spiritual markers on the door frame. Any of you old timers know what I'm talking about? When, when they used to take the kids and stand them up to the door frame and mark. And then they'd come back later on and stand them up there again. See how much they'd grown above that last mark. Some of us need to be going back and looking. Is this where I was last year? 
Is this where I was five years ago? How much progress have I made? How much have I grown? How much closer to God am I right now than I was the day I received the Holy Ghost? Well, I'm supposed to be teaching, and here I am already preaching, but may not get past page one again today. We'll see what happens. Praise God. Amen. So we're going to talk about growth. This is part three of lesson three in this series, Living in Truth. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. I think he's already talking to us, but... Ask Him to give you ears to hear and a heart to receive today. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise him one more time, everybody. Let's praise him one more time. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated this morning. I, I don't want to get bogged down in review today. So I'm going to say, go back and listen to the last two weeks. And the only thing I'll say by way of review is, number one, you got to be born again. And the only way that happens is through obedience to Acts 2.38. You repent of your sins, you're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, that's born of water, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, that's born of the Spirit. Go back and listen to the lesson a couple of weeks ago. If you have any questions about that, I went through that extensively. I talked about last week when this happens, you're changed by the power of the word. This is kind of where we got bogged down last week. Or not really bogged down, but we started expanding last week. Dealing with uh, uh, how that the word of God brings about changes in anything that it touches. The word of God brings things forth in our life. Once you're born again, you experience the joy of the spiritual birth and you are scripturally considered a babe in Christ. And it really, I'm serious, listen to me, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how many years you've been around the church until you have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not in the church. And therefore, you might have been around the church 40 years. But when you receive the Holy Ghost and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you are a new baby. Some people don't like being thought of that way, but it's scriptural. Spiritually, you're a new baby. And you've got to learn a whole new culture, a new lifestyle. You're living in a new world. Amen. And I, I'm just going to throw this out. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll deal with this in more detail on Tuesday nights. But 
But I get so tired, I go to Africa and we start teaching on separation and holiness. And the answer that we get over and over and over is, well, this is our culture. I tell them, well, you know what? There's a whole lot in American culture that's not any good either. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're to adopt a new culture. You adopt kingdom culture. And kingdom culture doesn't know any national boundaries. It's not continental. It doesn't depend on where you live. The kingdom culture applies to everybody. What's a sin in America is a sin in Africa. It doesn't matter about your culture. Dear God, American culture today is sick. It's twisted. It's perverted. I'd hate to think that I could live based on my culture. First of all, I wouldn't. But I'd hate to think others would come into the church believing they could. No, you come into the kingdom of God, you adopt a kingdom culture. Praise God. So, so you're a brand new babe. You're, you're a new child. And I, I discussed this last week. I said I wasn't going to review. I discussed this last week and, and went into great detail. Even sometimes God does direct people from time to time, puts them in another church. I think it ought to be rare. I think it ought to be the exception and not the rule. There are times it's needed. There are times it's necessary. There are times it's essential. But I don't, I don't think that people changing churches is revival. As Elder Westberg used to say, the Lord called us to be fishers of men, but too many are keepers of aquariums. And they're just going around dipping fish out of somebody else's aquarium to put it into theirs. That's not the will of God. Again, sometimes God directs people. I understand that. Sometimes it's for their best. But it shouldn't be the norm. It ought to be the exception. And it ought to be only by the direction of the Holy Ghost. We're members of a body. And I'm telling you, when you, there are transplants that take place. Sometimes a transplant is necessary. But a body can only handle so many transplants. And the organ can only be transplanted once. And even then the body doesn't always accept it. And the body sometimes has to remain on medications for the rest of their life to make sure they don't reject that transplant. So it's not just, well, I don't like this one or there's too much drama here, so I think I'll move across town. It's not that at all. If there's going to be a transplant, the wise master surgeon better be the one doing it. The creator of this unit that we call the body of Christ better be the one who's doing the transplanting. 
Now, once you come into it, and, and, and this is where I start to say, even when you come into a new church, you may have been in the church, you come into a new church, there is every church has its own culture, if you please. There are certain things within a church you've got to learn. And so in that regard, you've got to just look at yourself as a babe in, uh, in some fashion and understand there's some learning that needs to happen. There's some adjusting that needs to take place. Praise God. Even when it's the will of God and someone transfers in here generally, Generally, I'll, I'll, I'll let them just sit for a while to kind of get adjusted to the new surroundings. And uh, just, just let them, let them kind of feel their way around for a little while and, uh, and, 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 and learn the family. Praise God. But now look, when you come into this kingdom, when you're born again, there's something that's got to happen after birth. You, you've got to have some growth that takes place. And we talked about this, talked about the necessity of growth. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Because if you're not growing, there is a major deficiency somewhere. There's something that is off if you're not growing from the time you're born. And it's amazing. It's amazing how quickly growth takes place. After birth, absolutely. Those first few years, it's it's wild. Mm -hmm. The amazing amount of growth that takes place, length, weight. It's just it's just the fact of life. Of course, the older you get, this changes sometimes too. Weight and um, I'll leave that alone. I'm. I just lost all my amen corner. <laughs> there's growth. There's growth that's got to take place. And it's a part of the maturing process. And sometimes one of the, one of the things that, 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 that's difficult is you, you watch some of these kids who go through this growth spurt all of a sudden. And they're the tallest kid in their class. And they're, 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 they're disjointed and they're uncoordinated and and uh, and they stand out in the crowd, and and uh, it's it's a difficult thing. But but generally the others start catching up to them, and everybody some grow faster than others. But but everybody will have their time of growth. And with the Christian life, we need to understand that there's got to be some growth as well. And I want to give you four areas of growth because we want growth to be balanced. You know, if you've got somebody that's, that's, that's 17 years old and, and they're um, 5 foot 10, and, you know, they're, they're working out physically, but they've got the mind of a 3-year-old. They've experienced growth, but it's not balanced. There's got to be balanced growth in our Christian walk. And so let me give you a scripture that I believe shows the true balance that needs to take place in growth. All right. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Now, this is talking about the man Christ Jesus. Is everybody with me? We're one God apostolics around here. 
We believe there's only one God. We believe that the mighty God robed himself in flesh. Amen. You got questions about that? Go back a few weeks ago. I taught on that too. Yeah. Good stuff. Now, now what we're talking about here is the man. We're not talking about God. We're talking about the humanity of Christ. And here's what the Bible says about his humanity. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom. Jesus increased or Jesus grew in wisdom. And stature. And stature. And in favor. And in favor with, with God, God. And man. And in favor with man. That's four areas of growth that to me show the perfect balance that ought to take place in any spiritual walk. We need to grow in wisdom. We need to grow in spiritual stature. We need to grow in our favor with God. And we need to grow in our favor with man. It's what happened in the life of Christ and He was our example. And so what we want to do is we want to break each of these down and spend a little time talking about each of these areas because each of them are necessary if we're going to have balanced growth. And, and saints, I hope you're hearing me. I hope you're understanding what I'm trying to tell you because sometimes I've watched one or more of these get out of whack. And again, what you end up with is not healthy. That's why there's got to be this balance that takes place in our growth. I've seen people who, who have tried to pursue a spiritual development. Try to become extremely spiritual. Before they're really ready, before they've grown in wisdom. And there's a danger there. There really is. Because you start pursuing spiritual things before you've got the wisdom to handle them. And sometimes you have a hard time distinguishing what's the spirit of God, what's your human spirit, and what's the spirit of the devil. Now listen, saints, I've been around long enough to see it happen. I know what I'm talking about. Well-meaning individuals who really think they're in the Spirit are in a Spirit. But they haven't gotten the wisdom to discern the difference between the three Spirits that are available. And it can end up creating confusion. It can, it, it can, in fact, I'm going to tell you, I don't know of any example with which I'm familiar where someone did this that they didn't end up in shipwreck. They, they want to be so spiritual, and that's great. We need to be spiritual, but we need some wisdom with that spirituality. Praise God. 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide just how far I need to go with all of this. But, but, but look, because I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything that would in any way hamper our worship. I think the Truth Church knows I love our worship. I, I want our worship to be fervent. I want it to be exciting. I, I want folks running the aisles and, and, and dancing and, and shouting and rolling in the floor. I, I want that going on. But I have seen people get so caught up in worship that it's not really worship anymore. Yeah, I've, in fact, we've seen a few things around here. Folks taking their necktie and tying it around their head. I, I've never figured out what was the purpose behind that, but we had somebody that did it until I finally told them, please stop. I, I, I'd never figured out what, what were they trying to convey. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've watched a little bit of everything go on in the name of worship. And I don't want to do anything, again, that would in any way squelch true apostolic worship. But I'm just telling you, sometimes we can get into this without wisdom. And I've, I've, I'm old enough, I can say what I want. I've watched, I've watched worship become a form of entertainment. You're just having a good time. God's not in your, in your thoughts. You're not thinking about how this is glorifying Him. You're just enjoying yourself. And I, I've, I've seen this again, I'm. Poor guys in Africa, I'm throwing them under the bus. I'm not really trying to, but those folks love to dance. They loved, they'd rather dance than just about anything, I think. They, they love to dance. But I've watched them. I mean, they'll get out there and they will do some fancy footwork. But all the while, they're looking at the rest of the crowd just grinning like, I hope you're seeing just how good I am. I've watched it. And I've tried and tried to deal with them, but it's our culture. That's what I keep hearing. But, but I've told them, look, that's not worship to God. If you're showing off what a great dancer you are, you're not worshiping God. You're glorifying your flesh. I've seen people who were supposedly worshiping that their worship, I'm just telling you the truth, became sensual. That's not worship. I've seen just about everything in my years. Listen, this is why I'm telling you, we've got to have balance in our growth. I want growth to take place, but I want it to be balanced. Praise God. So wisdom, wisdom. And it's interesting to me that this is the way that the Holy Ghost inspired Luke to write these things. This is the order Luke put them in. I think there's a significance to this. I, 
I'm just going to tell you, I think, I don't think it's possible to really grow in favor with God until you've increased in wisdom and in spiritual stature. I believe that's necessary to gain favor with God. And I believe gaining favor with man is important and we're going to talk about it. But I'm going to tell you, you notice that's last on the list. Because if you'll do the other things you'll find you're gaining favor with man. And if you're having to try to bypass one of these to gain somebody's favor, that's the wrong thing to do. If you've got to, 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 to do something that displeases God to please man, that's wrong. There's a reason why the scripture is written the way it's written. This is significant. And we need to pay attention to it. So growing in wisdom. Now, now, now listen, wisdom, wisdom can be defined as having a true and right insight. And conforming to the kinds of actions that such insight calls for. Wisdom is not just gaining facts. It's knowing what to do with the facts. Knowledge is gaining facts. But wisdom is knowing what to do with those facts. You know, it's, it's interesting in the gifts of the Spirit, there is the gift of a word of knowledge, not the gift of knowledge. And the gift of a word of wisdom, not the gift of wisdom. That's, that's important. Words mean things. And, and, and really, one of these days, one of these days I'll teach on the gifts of the Spirit. It's been too many years, but but there's so much confusion about the gifts of the Spirit. I hear people talking about, I've got the gift of discernment, or so-and-so has the gift of... The Bible doesn't lift a, list a gift of discernment. It, it, it mentions the discerning of spirits. So that's, that's different again. But there's a difference between a word of wisdom and the gift of wisdom. Or a word of knowledge and the gift of knowledge. And I don't want to spend too much time dealing with all of this. But I, I, I wanted to point it out to you because to me there's a great example here of the difference between knowledge and wisdom when you look at this gift. What we find, we find the Apostle Paul on board a ship in the midst of a storm where it looks like the ship is going down and in fact the ship does end up being destroyed. But the Apostle Paul spends a great deal of time in prayer until finally an angel appears to him and speaks to him. And what happens is the angel gives him a word of knowledge that there is going to be a disaster. That's a word of knowledge. He gives him the facts. But the angel also provides to him a word of wisdom and he says, here's how you're going to deal with it. Stay with the ship. That's how to deal with what's coming. Don't abandon ship. You stay with the ship. That's wisdom. That's knowing how to deal with the fact 
that destruction's coming. And in the end, they stayed with the ship. The ship was destroyed. But, but even some of them grabbing planks of the boat, they were staying with the ship. And nobody was lost. There was wisdom that was granted in that situation. How to deal with the facts. Solomon and the famous story of the two women who, who bring their babies, one dead, one alive. They come to him and tell him the sad story. One of the ladies overlaid her baby in the night. smothered it, realized it, and went and swapped babies. And the woman who woke up in the morning, whose baby was still alive, she wakes up with a dead baby. And she is distraught because her baby's dead. And then she starts looking at it. She says, uh-uh. This is not my baby. And she realizes the other woman's got her baby. And the other woman says, no, 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 no. The dead one's yours. And so they finally take it to Solomon. Now Solomon knows the facts. That's knowledge. But Solomon had to know how to deal with those facts. That's where wisdom came in. And Solomon said, I tell you what, we'll just kill this one too. Bring me a sword. We'll just kill this one too. And the mama whose baby was already dead said, sure, that sounds fair to me. And the other one said, no, don't kill that baby. I'd rather she have it than it die. And Solomon said, that's the voice of mama. That's wisdom. That's not knowledge. That's wisdom. And I can tell you there's a whole lot of people in this world whose heads are filled with knowledge, but they're empty of wisdom. Right. 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 Wisdom, the Bible says, is the principal thing. And with all thy, thy, thy getting, get wisdom. Get wisdom. We need wisdom. Now listen to me. Wisdom is not an immediate consequence of the new birth. Just because you talk in tongues doesn't mean you've got wisdom. Wisdom's something we have to strive for. Wisdom's something we have to gain. Now how do we do that? Well, James tells us, James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Now, it's, it's very clear. You don't have wisdom? Ask for it. Now, in a minute I'll talk about how you get it so you may prepare yourself when you start asking for wisdom. Because the way you get it sometimes is not comfortable. But he said, if you'll ask, God will grant it. 
And in fact, he'll grant it liberally. This is one of few areas where God is a liberal. He's liberal in giving. Hallelujah. He gives liberally. If somebody seriously wants wisdom, God wants to give it to you. God desires for you to have it. The Bible says he upbraideth not. He upbraideth not. That word upbraideth means he doesn't chide. He doesn't make fun of you. He doesn't say, well, you ought to know this. God is thrilled that you would want it. And God thrills in giving it to you. Ask God for wisdom and God will grant it to you. Now again, don't expect God to just fill your head with wisdom about everything. But when you are in a situation and you don't know how to handle it, that's when you ask God for wisdom to know how do I deal with this situation. What's the best way to go about this? Don't just pray for wisdom in general. Oh God, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. But God, give me wisdom about... You know, one of the things that Elder Bean stressed... Maybe it's time for some of you to get that book out again and, 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 and read it. Uh, but, but one of the things that he stressed is that, that generic prayers require no faith. And God doesn't respond to no faith. If you want God to respond, you've got to have faith. And generic prayers don't require faith. Specific prayers require faith. To just say, God, give me wisdom. God, I need wisdom in my life. I need wisdom. That doesn't require any faith whatsoever. But to say, God, I'm facing a dilemma right now. And I need to know how to deal with this. Would you give me wisdom to know how to proceed? That takes some faith. And when God hears you asking for wisdom about that situation in your life, I'm here to tell you, God loves to hear that kind of request. And God loves to give you the direction you're looking for. God doesn't want you floundering around not knowing what to do. God doesn't want you wondering what in the world am I supposed to do next. God wants to give you direction. He wants to enlighten your path. God wants to lay it out in front of you. Well, hallelujah. People saying, I don't know the will of God. I don't know the will of God. Well, do you think God wants it hidden from you? God doesn't want his will hidden from you. God wants you to know it. Because he wants you to do it. Well, praise God. So you pray for wisdom. You pray for wisdom. God, let me know. God, I've got this problem. On my job. How how do I deal with this God? Show me how to deal with this. God I've got this situation in my family. and I can't figure out what's going to be the best way. To resolve this. Give me wisdom.
Well, praise God. And you know what I've found is most of the time God doesn't speak with a booming voice from heaven. Thou shalt do this. But you suddenly find yourself with this thought. You know, I think that would work. I've had a situation I've been praying about for, 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 for weeks and weeks that, that has, it, it's been like consuming my mind. It just, I've, 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 I've tried my best to figure out, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I prayed and I prayed and I, I said, God, give me a dream or something. Give me some direction. I've got to have direction. And, and I'm praying and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling in my spirit trying to figure out how am I supposed to deal with this. And, and one day, just in a simple conversation with God as I'm just praying along, boom, this thought comes to me and I'm thinking, you know, that would work. And it's amazing how simple that is. Wasn't complicated at all. But it'll work. And in that simple moment, God just gave me the wisdom I needed to know what to do. Listen to me, saints. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. If you'll put your trust in God, God gives to all men liberally. God wants to show you. God wants to direct you. God wants to lead you. Well, praise God. He wants you to know what he wants for you. So ask. But that's not all. This is verse 5. What's the very next verse say? But let him ask in faith. When you ask, ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. For uh -huh. he... For he? He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea yeah. driven with the wind Just and tossed. driven with the wind and tossed when you waver. Now, now look, when, when he said let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing wavering. I looked that up in the original and that, that phrase nothing wavering literally means without hesitation. Let him ask in faith without hesitation. Don't worry about it. Don't fret over it. I, I, I heard someone say, you cannot fret and have faith at the same time. Did you hear me? You can't fret and have faith at the same time. If you're fretting, you don't have faith. And if you have faith, there's nothing to fret about. That's it. Amen. If you have faith, you trust that God's going to do what he promised he would do. He's going to keep his word. He's going to take care of you. Yeah. God, I need wisdom and I'm trusting at the right moment. Right moment. At the right time, it may not come when I want it. 
telling you, he may not give it to me today and he may not give it tomorrow, but somewhere along the way, if I'll keep asking in faith, God's going to give me the direction I need. He's going to show me exactly. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this this morning. I'm talking to somebody here right now. You need, you need to get a revelation of this. God wants to give you wisdom. Yes, he does. Hallelujah. He wants to give you wisdom in your situation. Hallelujah. Ask in faith and don't waver. Don't waver. Don't hesitate. Because then you become just like the waves. Every wind that comes along, you change directions. Well, hallelujah. Now, I said a while ago, when you start asking for wisdom, you better prepare yourself. Here's why. Still in the book of James, but we're going to back up to a couple of verses earlier. What led up to this whole discussion of wisdom in verses 5 and 6? Let's read verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Uh Uh-huh. When you fall into diverse. When you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, trying of your faith, worketh patience. Worketh patience, but let patience, let patience have her perfect, have work, her perfect work. That ye may that be, you may be perfect, perfect, and entire, and entire wanting, wanting nothing, nothing. And then he goes on in verse number five and says, "If you lack wisdom, ask." By the mask of God. Now this is what this is what he's telling us in this passage of scripture that you know how wisdom comes most of the time it comes through trials it comes through difficult situations that's when you learn what not to do you have problems and you learn what not to do And in learning what not to do, it helps you to decide what to do. That's how wisdom comes. So when you start praying for wisdom, batten down the hatches. Get ready for a rocky ride. God's going to teach you some things. He's going to instill some wisdom in you. Now, sometimes it's a wonderful thing like what I just talked about. I'm just having a little conversation with God, not really even hardly lifting my voice. And all of a sudden, God just turns on the lights. Sometimes that's the way it comes. And I thank God for those times. But I'm going to tell you, most of the wisdom that I have gained in life has come through making wrong decisions, making bad decisions, doing things that I regret, (laughs) having difficult times. I'm telling you, there are situations I can counsel people about (laughs) because I speak with the voice of experience. I know, I've been there, I've done 
the scars to show it. Amen. So listen up. I'm not somebody filled with wisdom from head to toe, but I do have wisdom about some things. I've gotten it the hard way. I think I've got a couple of PhDs in the school of hard knocks. Most of mine hadn't just been a knock. They've been a terrific blow. I mean, they weren't knocking on my door. They were using a battering ram. I've been there. I've walked that. But thank God when it was over, I gained some wisdom out of it. Amen. Wisdom that has helped me to guide others. Right. Amen. And that's why God doesn't just, just turn on the light every time. Amen. Sometimes these kinds of lessons and this kind of wisdom, God is giving it to you because somebody else is going to walk this same dark road somewhere. And you're going to be able to not only sympathize, you'll be able to empathize. Yep. You'll be able to know exactly where they are. You've walked that road. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Now, let me tell you, wisdom is not just knowing what to do. But real wisdom is doing what God shows you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Now, now, now you got to pay attention. you got to pay attention. you got to pay attention. Because verse 24 starts out basically word for word with the way that verse 26 starts out. There's one minor difference, one major difference, not a minor difference, it's a major difference. Just one small word that changes the whole picture. But I want you to notice the exact wording. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, pay attention to those words. Here's what Jesus said. I will liken him unto a wise man. That's going to be like a wise man. Which built his house. He's building his house. Upon a rock. This is wisdom, he said. This is wisdom. A wise man's building his house on the rock. Read. And the rain descended. The rain descended. And the floods, floods came. Floods come. And the winds blew. The winds blow. And beat upon they that house. beat on that house. And it fell not. But the house didn't fall. Read. For it was because it was founded upon a rock. On a rock. It was built the right way. Whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he's building his house the right way. Now, what's verse twenty-six say? And everyone and everyone that heareth that these, heareth these sayings, sayings of, of mine and doeth them doeth them not. Oh, that's where it changes. 
up to this point, it's been the same. But now, there's a diversion. And do with them not. What's he like? He shall be likened unto a foolish He's man. He's like a foolish man. Which built his house. That built his house. Upon the sand. On the sand. Read. And the rain descended. The rain descended. And the floods, floods came, came, and the winds blew, the winds blew and, beat upon and beat upon that house. Same that house, scenario. And it fell. But that house fell. And great, and great was, the fall was the fall of it. Of the house of the foolish man. Now, what's the difference between wisdom and folly? I'll tell you. The difference was one did what he knew God wanted him to do, and the other one did not. They both knew it. They both had the same information, but one acted on it and the other one didn't. So wisdom is not just knowing what to do, but it's actually following through and doing it. Amen. Amen. Wisdom begins with hearing what God says. Yes. That's where wisdom begins. But real wisdom does not come into play until you obey what you hear. Now, now listen to me. We're, you know, this is supposed to be going back to the basics. We're supposed to be trying to help new folks around here. And, 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 and so let me, let me focus on them here for just a moment and, and tell you something that you may not realize or that maybe the devil convinces you is just unique with you. But with every person that's born into the kingdom, something happens. You start learning what God wants you to do. You start hearing God's words. You, you, you start seeing things in the scripture. And let me tell you, there is a part of you that rises up. There is something in you that fights against it. It's the old carnal nature that you've spent your life pleasing. Up until the moment you're born again, whatever your carnal nature wanted, you gave it. And now all of a sudden, God says, uh-uh. And the carnal nature says, why not? I want this. I like this. That nature is there if you don't crucify it every day. That nature is going to come back up. You can come to church. You can get a good blessing this morning. You can come back tonight and get a good blessing and have a good time of talking in tongues and worshiping and get up tomorrow morning and not pray. And you know what's going to happen? That carnal nature starts growing right back again. And it's not going to take very long until those old desires are pulling at you. This happens. Your mind, your carnal mind is not going to comprehend what God wants. Let me show you in Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, now, did you hear what he said? This is, well, this is serious stuff now. You start following your carnal mind, you're headed for spiritual death. You cannot survive spiritually following your carnal mind. But this, but this, but this, but this. That's your carnal mind. If God said it, I don't care about all of the things that you think should be otherwise. If God said it, it's settled. You accept it and you live by it. Like it or don't like it. Want it or don't want it. I'm just telling you. Finally on page two of my notes. Notes that have been waiting for a couple weeks for me to get to. But look, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is who we are as fallen human beings. It's in us. This carnality is innate. It's born into us. And your carnal mind is never going to understand. It's never going to comprehend. And it's never going to like the things of God. Never. So when you see something in Scripture and you don't like it, understand that's my carnal nature. That's not God in me. God's not going to dislike His Word. God's not going to try to explain away His Word. That's my carnal nature. That's what that is. So, so what is this? Life and, and, and uh, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Go on, verse 7. Because the carnal mind. The carnal mind. Is enmity. It is, can I put it this way, the enemy of God. Your carnal mind is God's enemy. Your carnal mind hates the things of God. Read. For it is not subject it's to the not law of God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. And in fact, the apostle said, it's not even possible for your mind to submit to the laws of God. Your carnal mind can't do it. That's why I've said so many times, don't, don't, don't waste your time trying to explain to sinners about holiness standards or, uh, you know, there, there's so much of this that they're just never going to understand because the Bible says their minds cannot comprehend the things of God and cannot be subject to the laws of God. Can't happen. It's, it is an exercise in futility. Your mind has got to be transformed by the power of the Spirit. Once your mind is transformed by the power of the Spirit, it's amazing. It's amazing how it's just not a problem to do what God wants anymore. <laughs> it's just not a struggle anymore. I don't get up every day thinking, man, I don't know if I want to live for God. Oh, 
I don't know if I want to live this way, Brother Larson. I don't know. I don't know if I, I just don't know, man. I miss so much of the world. What? Those thoughts don't even cross my mind anymore. And I say, anymore. There was a time. And I'm saying to you that, that when you come into the church, there's this battle that rages, this war that's going on in your thoughts. And somehow you've got to recognize the source of those thoughts. It's my carnal nature. That's why I don't want to come to church. You get up on Sunday morning, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to go to church today. Yeah, I hear your carnal nature speaking. You get that mind transformed by the power of the Spirit and you say, I was glad when they said to me. Let's go to the house of the Lord. I'm ready to go to God's house. I want to get, I can't wait to get to God's house. But it's carnality that says, I don't want to go today. That's carnality. It's not subject to the law of God. This is basic stuff. It's basic stuff. But it's important for our new converts to understand it's not just you. Sometimes the devil convinces you, well, man, something must be bad wrong with you to be having these thoughts. Isn't that amazing how he puts thoughts in your mind and then condemns you for having them? That's the devil for you. But if you'll get prayed through, if you'll fall in love with Jesus once again, if you'll crucify that carnal nature of yours, just like every one of us have to do. We all got to do it. God only knows where I would be and what I would be if I gave in to my carnal nature. I don't even want to think down that path. I know where I was headed. Even though God saved me as a young boy, I know where I was headed. I know the direction my life was taking. And I can look at the lives of those who grew up with me who did not come to God. And I can make, I think, a fairly decent guess at where I'd be today. But thank God... Thank God that I can get up and crucify this old flesh Amen. and let the Spirit of God live through me. Yeah. People say it's hard to live like a Christian. No, it's not. Uh, let me just clarify for you. According to the flesh, it's impossible. Not hard, it's impossible. According to the flesh. But I want to ask you a question. Can Jesus live a Christian life? Well, then why don't you let him live it through you? 
get for me Galatians 2 and 20. That's not in the notes there, but get for me Galatians 2 and 20. One of my favorite verses, and I could quote it, but, but I think it's good that we put it up on the wall, let everybody see it. And if you don't have this marked in your Bible, you might want to. If you mark your Bibles, this might just be one you want to kind of make reference to and go back to and, and remind yourself of from time to time. But, but this is one of my favorite verses. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20 says this. I am crucified. I am crucified with, with Christ. Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I live. I live. Yet not I. Yet not I. But Christ. But Christ liveth, liveth in me. In me. Now listen to this. The life. And the life. Are you going to read or am I? I'm repeating. Yeah. All right. Go. 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 And the life. The life which I, now I now live, live in the flesh. In the flesh. I live by the faith I live of, by the the faith of, God, of the Son of God. Who loved me. Who loved me. And Gave himself, gave himself for, listen to what Paul said. He said, I'm crucified. So you want to know who's living? It's not Paul that's living. It's not Saul of Tarsus that's living. It's Jesus that's living. He's wearing my clothes. He's got on my shoes today. I'm letting him live this life. I'm letting him walk this path. He can do it. He doesn't have a problem. It's not difficult for him. It's only difficult when I'm trying to do it. But if I'll be crucified and let him live, then I can do all things through him because he's going to strengthen me. I'm not going to have a problem living like a Christian if he's the one living through me. Right. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You're struggling in your Christian walk. It's because it's you that's trying to walk it. It's as simple as that. If you're struggling in your Christian walk, it's because you're trying to walk it. You're not letting God do the walking. Crucify your flesh and let the Spirit live through you and you won't have a problem. It's easy for him. It's easy for him. Well, hallelujah. And I would remind you, when you start saying it's hard to live like a Christian, I would remind you, the wise man said, the way of a transgressor is hard. That's what's hard. You want to talk about hard? No, it's not hard to do it. It's not difficult to do it. But it sure is hard on you. It takes its toll on you. Living like a transgressor. And by the way, you know what transgressor means? Transgressor doesn't just mean that you're a sinner. Transgressor is one who breaks God's law. So he said, you want to talk about a hard life? You want to talk about a hard life? Live a life that's constantly breaking God's law. That's a hard life. Well, praise God. I got to hurry. Doesn't look like I'll get past wisdom today. In fact, I don't know if I even want to try. Maybe we could at least get two of these four. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I can wrap this up on wisdom and take a few minutes on the next one and then we'll be halfway through the four. That might be a good place to, to end. So, so he said, 
He said the carnal mind is enmity against God. And that word enmity, in the original, it means hostility. Did you get that? The carnal mind is hostile towards God. Do you, know, do you understand hostility? I mean, that, that's, that gives me images in my mind of war. Violence. When you're talking about something being hostile, and, and the Bible says that's the way your carnal mind is toward God. It means opposition or hatred towards someone or something. That's the literal meaning of that word. Opposition or hatred. Your carnal mind not only opposes the things of God, it hates. You hear me? That's what hates the things of God. That's what hates what the scriptures tell us to do. It's your carnal mind. And it hates it. It hates it. And so the only way that you can continue to acquire spiritual maturity is you're going to have to submit yourself to the ways of God without reservation. Let me, let me just, I'm going to throw this in and I'm going to try to move on. I've got a little over 20 minutes to try to deal with, with growing in stature. Let me, let me just say this because wisdom, as I said, is, is knowing what to do and doing it. Right. I want to tell you something. Here is where a lot of folks get hung up. Because they're asking God to show them something. But they've never done the last thing God showed them. Did you get that? So God's not obligated to show you anything else until you do what he's already shown you. So maybe if you're not getting an answer, maybe you need to take inventory and say, um, God, is there something I'm missing here? Is there something you told me to do before that I'm not doing? Because I want to go back and correct that. If I can get that corrected, if I can do what you told me to do back there, then I can trust that you'll tell me what to do here. Amen. But i got to go back and fix this one. You know, I've said it, I've said it for a long time, but it's, it's not like today's system that just wants to pass everybody. You don't want to hurt some poor child's psyche by giving them an F and failing them. Wouldn't that be a tragic thing? Some poor little kid who never did a day's homework, never cracked a book, played the whole time. It would be so devastating to him to fail. So let's just pass him. Well, let me just tell you, God doesn't do that. God just doesn't operate that way. I've lived for God for over 50 years now. I can tell you, I've seen the pattern. You fail this test, God's going to give it to you again. And you're going to take it till you pass it. That's 
You'll get it again and again and again and again if you have to. But you're not going, you're not going to grade 8 if you hadn't finished grade 7 with God. It just won't happen. Oh, God, I need to know what to do. And God says, I told you what to do back there. You want to go fix that? Go fix that, and then we'll talk about this one. You say, God never said that to me. Well, he is now. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's telling you right now. Amen. Praise God. Go back and fix that back there that he told you to do. And then see if he won't step in and start correcting what you're dealing with right now. Oh, praise God. All right, all right, I got to move on. I got to move on. I've, I've used three minutes of my precious 22. So let's talk about the next area. You got to grow in wisdom. And the next thing the Bible says is that he grew in stature. Now, the word stature, of course, is just another word for height. As a natural baby grows in height, it acquires new abilities. Right? As it gets bigger, certain things start happening. It develops more strength in its muscles. It starts learning how to sit up and how to hold its head up. And, and before long, it learns how to crawl. You know, as a newborn, they don't have the strength to crawl. But, but as they grow, they're developing strength. And, and, and as they get bigger, they, they're learning new things. They learn to walk. They learn to talk. But something's also going on internally. Their digestive system starts changing. And, and, and it gets to a place where milk alone is not satisfactory. And it's got to have something more solid. It's all a part of growth. But these things take time and they have to grow into them. And you watch that little toddler learning to walk. Every step is shaky. Right? They're holding on for dear life. Every move. They're being so cautious and careful. Fear grips them. As they try to learn how to walk. And the same thing is true for spiritual babes. I want to tell you, you can reach a place where it's not so scary to walk with God anymore. Read for me Psalm 37 verse 31. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. None of his steps shall slide. Now, I thought this was interesting. When I looked this word up, this, this word slide, another way to translate this is totter. Totter. T-O-T-T-E-R. Totter. Which is from the same root as a toddler. And, and the Bible says... The law of God's in his heart, and so none of his steps shall totter. None of his steps shall be shaky or quivery. That's what it means. 
In other words, every step will be sure. You know, it's, it's cute. I think I dealt with this maybe last week. It's cute to watch that little baby try to take its first steps. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cute to see them not sure if they can quite navigate all of this. That's cute. But when they're eight years old, I don't think I can do this, Mama. I don't, I don't think I can make this step, Mama. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I know there are those with physical disabilities or whatever. I understand. Please understand. Even then, something's wrong. Something's not the way it should be. Praise God. So I'm telling you today that it's possible. And, and I love what it says here. To me, this verse was so, this verse was so important. Uh, th- this was not even in my notes originally. And I, I got to looking back over my notes this morning. I thought, man, I need to, that, that verse needs to go in there. So I went and stuck that back in there, stu- or stuck it in there uh, this morning. The rest of this has all been in my notes for weeks, waiting for me to get to it. But this one... This is so important. Notice how you reach the place where your steps no longer totter. Do you, do you see how that happens? The law of God is in his heart. heart yeah. It's not in his mind. Right. It's not in his mouth. Right. It's not in his eyes. It's not in his ears. The law of God is in his heart. And when you get the law of God in your heart, your steps become more sure. It becomes easier to walk with God. It becomes more uh, definite that you're going to make this journey without a problem. You don't have to worry about slipping and sliding and falling and stumbling and shaking and quaking. If you get his word in your heart, get his law down inside your heart. I tell you, the church world today hates the word law. They hate that word. Seems like most of America hates that word. Nobody wants a law. Every man wants to do what's right in his own eyes. But it doesn't work that way in God's economy. It, it, it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. God has a law. He always has. He always will. In fact, I challenge you, I challenge you, get your concordance and look up the phrase, the law of liberty. The perfect law of liberty. That's referring to us in the New Testament. There is a law by which we are bound as New Testament Christians. The law of God has got to be in our hearts. It's got to be in our hearts. 
and, and saints, please, please hear me. Because again, I, I see this so much that if we're not careful, especially in conservative churches, it's just a matter of doing the law. But not loving the law. And there's a big difference. Now you need to do it whether you love it or not. You need to do it. But it's much better if you can love it. Because if all you're doing is trying to do it, you're going to be just like the Jews who failed miserably. You're not going to make it if you're just trying to do it. But if you love it. If you'll fall in love with God's law, then none of your steps, none of your steps. Do we believe the Bible or not? Do we believe that every verse is God-breathed? Every verse? Is this verse God-breathed? The Bible says that if the law of God is in your heart, none of your steps will slide. So the key is fall in love with God's law. That's the key. Now, you know, as I said, there, there's also what happens internally with a newborn baby because his digestive system starts changing and things start, start um, working differently and, and milk itself is just not sufficient and not satisfactory and they need something more uh, to, to give them the nutrients that are required for their continued growth. Here's what Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Desire, as babes, as babes, you desire milk. But there's got to be a time when you get beyond being a babe. Nobody wants to remain a baby forever. And so you shouldn't be desirous of spiritual milk forever. You should want something that's a little bit more hard to chew. Right. Amen. Amen. It's going to take you some time to digest it. Well, in fact, Paul, Paul reprimanded the Corinthians because they didn't reach this level. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. I couldn't speak to you as, as, as unto spiritual. But as unto carnal. But as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in as Christ. As unto babes in Christ. I have fed. Sounds to me like most babes in Christ still are struggling with their carnality. Read. I have fed you with milk. I've, because you're a babe, I've had to give you milk. And not with meat. And I hadn't been able to give you meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Because you don't give a baby meat. Neither yet nor are ye able. You're not even able right now to do it. But you should. You should reach a place where you can handle some meat. You don't want just feel good every time you come to church. Though there's a whole lot of the world that that is what they want. I'm okay, you're okay. Let's just come to church and everybody be happy. Let's not stir up anything. Let's not, not get anybody to really have to come to an altar and repent over anything. Let's just make sure everybody's shouting when they leave. 
Listen, church, I'm not just talking about denominal world. I'm talking about within the apostolic movement. I've known of meetings where the preacher did a phenomenal job of trying to get people to the altar. And, and people, I'm talking about people living for God, feeling conviction, wanting a deeper walk with God. And then they get up and start singing this fast song. And I, I literally saw them tell them, no, now's not the time to cry. Now's the time to shout. Well, there is a time to shout, but there's also a time to cry. The shouting, if you please, is the milk. I mean, that's the stuff that even the babies can enjoy. But coming to an altar and crying for a while, pouring your heart out, getting on your face, leaving a pool of tears. That's when you start growing. That's when you start developing. But it takes the meat to get you to that point. The author of Hebrews gave us some instructions concerning our spiritual diet. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Oh, i got to hurry. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Let me read this from a few other translations. The New King James says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to perfection. God's Word translation says, With this in mind, we should stop going over the elementary truths about Christ and move on to topics for more mature people. The New Century Version says, so let us go on to grown-up teaching. Let us not go back over the beginning lessons we learned about Christ. Some point we've got to move on. Some point we've got to grow. We've got to be able to handle something of greater strength. Because there's a lot more nutrition in some good Bible steak than there is. In a few sips of scriptural milk. You're going to grow a lot more. When you've got something nutritious to eat. That's the reason. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But that's the reason church. That 27 years. The majority of my ministry has been teaching. 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 Because I don't want you to just survive on milk. Right. I, don't, I know, I know it'd be wonderful in a lot of people's eyes if we just came to church and heard a 30-minute sermon, shouted a little bit, and went home. But I promise you, you don't grow that way. Right. You might feel good, but you don't grow. Right. And I'm not just trying to reach a point where you feel good. Right. I'm trying to help you grow. In fact, God put this in me many, many years ago. And I'm, 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 Lord, I'm almost, but I only have one more scripture in this portion. So, so, so give me a few minutes. We'll go a couple minutes over, but, but I've only got one more scripture to deal with in, in growing in stature. So I can take a minute. God put this in me many years ago. He taught me a valuable, valuable lesson. I was, I was kind of struggling in my mind and frankly, in my emotions. I'd gone off to a big conference and they were giving away fastest growing Sunday school awards. Now this, at this point I was, I was pastoring in Colorado and I'd taken a church of six 
And we were running, I don't know, 30 or 40, somewhere in there probably. I'd been there just a couple of years. But, but man, I went to that conference, and they've got people parading across the platform, went in and started the church, and within one year, they're running over 100. And, and I, they thought that would encourage us. But, Brother Self, that didn't encourage me at all. I came home so discouraged. I thought, Lord, I've been working for three years, and I've, I'm, I've only got 60, and they did it in one year. They were over 100. I don't understand. And I, I got to really feeling sorry for myself. I'm just being honest. I really got to feeling sorry for myself. And I went down to the church and decided I'd have a little talk with Jesus, and I'd just spill my guts. I had a whole lot more guts back then to spill. <laughs> and boy, I started whining. I mean, I was going through it. God, I don't understand. God, please show me, why is this church not growing? Why are we not growing? And if the Lord ever spoke to me, He spoke to me that day. And he said, what do you mean not growing? And all of a sudden, I saw families in that church. And I saw where they were when they came. And I saw where they were at at that moment. And I saw how God had established them. And I saw what was going on. God putting their families back together. And God helping them to become productive members of society. And and, and, and God started showing me. And God said to me, that is growth. That's growth. Yeah. Not how many you've got in your Sunday school, but how much have these people developed. That's the sign of growth. Amen. Amen. Thank God. I'm telling you, God gave ever more. Um, you young people don't understand this terminology, but anybody that was raised in the South... And anybody probably over 50 years old most likely understands this, but God took me to the woodshed that day. Some of you have no idea what the woodshed is. Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't know. That's not where you store wood. I mean, it is, but that's, that's not why you didn't want to go there. Woodshed's where daddy would take you, and he'd, he'd get out that belt or that razor strop or whatever he had. And woodshed's where you got a good... Uh, adjustment, yeah, thank you. Yeah. The Board of Education was applied to the seat of knowledge. <laughs> and you came out with a different attitude. Oh, yeah. And the world looked much different when you got out of the woodshed. Right. And I'm telling you, God took me to the woodshed that day. Mm -hmm. And God started working on me. God reminded me of a time in my previous pastorate. I was pastoring in South Texas, lived in this little uh, area uh, where there was only one way in and out of that community. And, 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 and so we had to turn down this one road to get to my house. We went by the same road every day in hot South Texas sun the middle of the summer. One day I turned down that road and I look off to my right and there's a dead raccoon out there. And, uh, and, and I, I passed it. And I, every day, every day I drove past that raccoon. Every day I drove past it. But God reminded me in that moment of prayer. God reminded me. The most 
strange thing happened to that dead raccoon. It just kept getting bigger. It just got bigger. I'm telling you, that hot South Texas sun beat down on that dead animal, and every day it got bigger. Until one day, I turned down that road, and that thing was just as flat as a pancake because it had gotten so big, it burst. And the Lord said to me, not everything that's getting bigger is growing. Amen. Amen. I love you, Lord. Well, hallelujah. How did I get off into that? I don't know. Some things get bigger because of a swelling that takes place. But it's not growth. I want growth to happen. I want something that's real. Something that shows. Something that, 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 that speaks of maturity. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Let, let me read. I got one more verse. It's 1202. I got to quit. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 15. Read for me. And we'll be done with this section on growth. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, read. And he gave some apostles. Now listen, God gave apostles. And some prophets. He gave prophets. And some evangelists. He gave evangelists. And some pastors. He gave pastors. And teachers. And teachers. For the perfecting Why? of the saints. For the perfecting. And that word really we could say maturing. For the maturing of the saints. For the working of the ministry. Uh-huh. For the edifying for of the, the body of Christ. For the building of the body of Christ. Till we all come in uh-huh. the unity of the faith right. and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Yeah, now listen to this. Unto a perfect unto man. Unto a mature man. Unto the measure. Unto the measure. Of the stature. Of the stature. Of the fullness of, the fullness of, Christ, of Christ. That we henceforth. Now, now hang on. Here's what he said. He said, I've given the ministry to the church because I'm trying to help you grow up. I've given you Christ as the example. But I want you to grow up to be what he is. But the only way that's going to happen is through the work of the ministry. You're going to have to listen to somebody preach to you. You got to have somebody teach you. You got to have somebody that's going to work on you. Sometimes correcting you, sometimes rebuking you. It's going to take all of that, but there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it. It's to help you grow up to become what Christ was. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. That we henceforth be no more children. No more children. Tossed to and fro and and carried about about with with every every wind of doctrine doctrine by the slight of men men and cunning cunning craftiness, craftiness, whereby they lie lie in wait wait to to deceive, deceive. but speaking the truth in love love, may grow up up into him him in all things, things, which is is the the head, head, even Christ. Christ. Here's what he said. If those apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers... Speak the truth in love. They're going to help you to grow up. To be what God wants you to be. Well, praise God. Let's stand this morning. I've got to quit. I'm over time. Well, hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands? I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. 
God, I don't want to remain the same. I want, to, I want you to lead me to perfection. I want, oh God, to reach that place of maturity. I want you to see, God, progress in my life. Come on, somebody. Let's talk to the Lord right where we're at. Let's talk to him. Come on, lift your voice to the Lord right now. I don't want to be a spiritual baby. I don't want to be immature. I want to grow up in Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God, I want to grow up in you. I want to be the man you want me to be. Help me to lay aside the childish things. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought as a child. I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. God, help me not to be childish in my walk with you. Help me to be mature. Help me to grow up. Oh, come on. Let's talk to him, saints. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him right now. here that wants the gift of the Holy Ghost today, you can have it. I, I know we're over time, but if somebody wants the Holy Ghost, I don't